At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This is what that budget's for. We're like, okay. Nobody takes care of you like people that don't pay taxes. On That's the right. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be the teaser line for the episode, I think. What it do, baby? It's the Preachers and Seekers podcast. On today's episode, I've got a super fun one because my good friends, Abner and Amanda, from the band Johnny Swim, are in the house today. They were kind enough to give me some time to talk not only about their super successful career, about raising kids, about living in quarantine, about their nice kicks and green room stories, but also to talk a little bit about preachers and sneakers, talk about pastor, fashion, and wealth, and the discussion around whether or not it's okay to get rich off of God. So these two are just a delight, are the best possible people you could ever interact with, and very grateful to be able to call them friends. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the smooth, silky tone of Abner and Amanda from Johnny Swim. This is what you learned. All this because you said you're having a baby, and I'm so excited for you. There is, I, I never realized how important, God, it's going to sound so stupid. I'm sorry. Humility is, and I've never, no intelligent person has ever taught me humility in the way that my child has. No great sermon or speech has ever taught me the lessons of humility or the importance even of humility. Like my child has, like having a kid, a baby you're responsible for. I remember man and I, Amanda, I say Amanda and I, you're going to laugh when you hear what I'm about to say. Amanda had all our babies naturally. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I guess I had them naturally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah you, you did hold her hand really well. <laughs> and I remember we went to this before the first baby, before Joaquin, we went to this class and it was a bunch of people having their babies for the first time naturally. And one of the first things they do is they go around the class. There's probably like 10 couples, maybe, maybe six, six, eight couples. You go around and the teachers, the, the midwife's like, all right, let's, let's talk about it. Big white board in the front. Let's talk about our biggest fears for this. What's the thing you're most afraid of? What are you most terrified of? Oh, okay, I'll go first. First person says, you know, I'm, I'm scared I'm, I'm going to die. I'm scared my wife will die during childbirth. Let's write that down. Death. Uh, the next person, I'm scared the baby's going to die. And, you know, everybody's feeling real comfortable, getting really honest, whatever. They get to me. And I'm really searching myself, man. I really want to give, like, an honest answer. 
my biggest fear it gets to me and my honest answer is i'm terrified of raising an a-hole mm-hmm. i'm terrified of raising a big old douchebag <laughs> like you see these guys online or in traffic very familiar you think somebody raised you you had at some point a father I'm very familiar, he says. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody raised you, man. And so it's this constant, I I welcome it. I try to welcome it. I don't welcome it all the time. This constant path of humility that is parenthood. Yeah. Done. And it's like, you think that you, I'm assuming, I haven't haven't gone through this yet, but I have experienced the whole dying to yourself thing and how it's like an actual choice and work when you get married. You have to choose to die to yourself every day. Yep. And I'm assuming that once you have a kid, it's like 5X that because yep. their whole life depends on you not being a jackass. I was just saying like when you get married, there's one level kind of like what you're talking about of dying to yourself where it's like, oh, I am a pretty selfish a-hole as it is. I've been living single yeah. for my whole life and now I have to consider this other person and want to consider this other person. And I'm assuming that when you have kids, it's like a 5X of that because their whole life depends on your ability to take care of them even even if it's inconvenient or uncomfortable or in the middle of the night it's all it's almost always inconvenient it's all inconvenient they're little tyrants bro <laughs> dad my our daughter started started calling me mom yesterday and she knows she knows it like gets to me because like it's like the only way that she can say my name and where i like look right at her and i'm like oh my gosh <laughs> she found the, the one also, button to push. But you know, yeah and then i think i think like over time you start enjoying the things that you at first were like slightly inconvenienced by because you realize how fast it goes and you realize like oh i'm gonna be begging them to hang out with me one day yeah and so, yeah, it's really annoying that you're crying in the night because you have a you know a tooth coming or whatever. But I'm gonna go ahead and get you in my bed with me, and we're gonna cuddle. And I'm, I'm gonna be sleepy today, but you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna be happy that I did this. Like, yeah, in the grand scheme of things, me doing whatever I think is important right now is a waste of time compared to right running around after you know the little ones. So it, it but it is like a frame of thought because we're so used to like accomplishing and like I've got stuff to do and. You know, we, you know, especially right now in a pandemic where there's not, you know, I can't send them to school or whatever and like have like some brain space, like for the most part, you know, you're just kind of like locked in. And so you kind of go, well, let me enjoy this. Yeah, that's it, man. I had a, I had a therapist tell me once, uh, one, one of the things we were talking about after we talked about all the marriage stuff uh, was as a dad, I feel guilty all the time. I go to bed feeling guilty that I didn't nail it today. Hmm. And then sometimes really specifically I yelled at him or I got mad about something or I didn't spend enough time with him today. Mostly my son, who's, who's about to be six. Who's your twin? Man, I wish. He's so freaking handsome. Uh, <laughs> he's lucky he's got the mom he does. They all are. And uh, one of the things the therapist said really stuck with me. Like He said, man, you're a good dad. You don't, you don't have these big red flags. Sure, you, you're human. And you make mistakes, but don't spend your energy going to bed thinking about what you could have done better yesterday. Make a plan for what you're going to do right tomorrow. And even if it's just as little, what's something that Joaquin enjoys that I can enjoy with him? He loves Legos. I love Legos. Heck yeah. I'm going to play tomorrow. That's Lego. my plan. I'm going to make Lego, not Legos. The plural of Lego is Lego. Oh. Uh, it is. It really is. Wow. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> um, and that's really, if there was an advice I could give myself, before having my baby boy, it would have been that. 
It'd be uh, That's good. Don't spend time. Don't spend all your energy and regret. Spend your time making a plan for tomorrow. Just for tomorrow. Not some. You're big like two regret. years away from that, though. Yeah, you are. For now, it's just figuring out how to wipe that tar poop. They have on <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. I actually, uh, I, I talk about some of the same same things with my therapist too. It's just like trying to prep and set up for that because, like, I know I'm going to be. I'm probably we're probably a lot alike us three, like yeah. high ach- wanting to achieve a lot, wanting to be yeah. good for our families and not screw it up. Even though we know that there's a big chance of us screwing it up, uh, that's totally something I at least think about. Probably struggle with thinking of like man man we need more parents like that we need we need more parents that are concerned on whether or not they're screwing it up because there's a lot of people that think they're nailing it that are raising douchebags yeah <laughs> and it's just like it's very you have very little room or uh you have very little room to claim that you're doing anything right like we're all just kind of imperfect trying to figure things out and so to be so definitive, like, you know what? I'm crushing it right now. It's probably, <laughs> probably an incorrect stance to have about life. I'm top 10 dad right now. I'm feeling this. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. just nailing it. I look great. I sound great. <laughs> I'm just leading great. My wife loves me. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> so oh. the, uh, so this podcast is essentially what we're doing right now. Like my whole goal with the pod is just to make people laugh and make people think. And so I've had a whole host of different types of people on the pod Obviously, I wanted to get y'all on because, one, we're friends and y'all are incredibly interesting and talented. And I think eventually we can get into it, but you also have some thoughts about uh, some of the things I talk about on the account and in the podcast. Man, when I uh, when you posted maybe your very first post on Instagram from Preachers and Sneakers account, my phone wouldn't stop vibrating. I was in the studio. <laughs> And the producer we were working with, brilliant, I don't use this often, but genius producer, a guy named Malejo. Oh, yeah. I've heard you talk about him before. He's amazing. Malejo's like, hey, you heard about this Preacher Sneakers thing? I was like, yeah, man, my phone keep blowing up. He's like, mine too. Da, 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 da. We, a guitar player was coming in. Uh, you know him, I think. Taylor. Taylor. Taylor came in. I'm getting dinner with him that, tomorrow, actually. Come on, yeah. man. Let's go. Yeah. Taylor, was, that day, comes into the studio, and we're working, you know, da, 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 and as we're comfortable with the song comfortable he said hey have you guys seen this preachers and sneakers thing and we we had dinner that night all of us we at malay's house and we just couldn't stop talking about it and uh i think what what was so clear to me and even even now looking back on those first fiery days yeah. of preachers and sneakers is that it clearly hit a nerve it clearly hit a nerve first of all but it was a conversation that needed to be had that needs to be had it's questions that need to be asked yeah especially of pastors in the same way we can't just assume the people that re- represent us politically because they're of the same party that we are doing the right thing. We have to ask questions of them just because we agree on some major things. Doesn't mean we can't question some stuff. Right. And, and right. I do believe that it hits such a nerve, this idea. I'll say this. I'm really lucky to have a lot of shoes that I like <laughs> really expensive shoes. and hats and hats. My, uh, my brother-in-law was, a. Uh, is a shoe designer. He did the first Yeezys at Louis Vuitton with Kanye. Wow. He's worked on Yeezys, the Adidas brand with Kanye. He was the head men's shoe wear designer at St. Laurent for years when it was still Eve St. Laurent. He was the first one to do like the van styles. Like uh, he, he always would said these high tops, there's no reason we shouldn't do luxury high tops. Yep. Super nice Napa buck, dude, whatever, like the real rubber that turns yellow over time. Like, 
luxury goods brought into streetwear should happen. He was one of the first people. This is your brother? Even time, my brother-in-law, yeah. Brother-in-law. Uh, Mike McLaughlin. And now he does a surf brand called Khan. And it was a hit, obviously. Uh, billions of dollars made just on his shoes at St. Laurent. He was the first one to do high tops. They're called the Malibu really highs. Billions? billions. He told me the number the other day. And they were billions of dollars in sneaker revenue just at St. Laurent. And they were paying him like 85000 a year? Exactly. Well, I don't know if exactly. Yeah, not billions. Not even millions. And uh, so I've got a lot of really nice shoes that wouldn't make. And this is where I, I do think there's there's a line drawn right so for instance the guy that designed amanda's wedding shoes is still the head shoe designer at uh, louis vuitton wow so wow. i i remember mike gave me a pair of saint laurent slip-ons that were snakeskin heck yeah and they don't yeah. say saint laurent saint laurent saint laurent they're just black snakeskin slip-ons and i posted about them i was like i've never been more excited about a pair of shoes than these just so happened a couple weeks later we were in paris our buddy Fabrizio viti head shoe designer at louis vuitton comes to have dinner with us he's carrying a big louis vuitton bag shut up and he's next to me and he says abner he was jealous he was jealous that i was posting about my shoes he says abner i saw michael gave you some snakeskin trainers <laughs> but has he ever given you and he pulls them out of the bag as he's saying it crocodile boots <laughs> and he pulls out he's insane and and i've learned a lot about these kind of shoes like you can do cheap alligator expensive alligator yeah. it's all about this part of the alligator you use right so if you use the belly that's one alligator Per shoe. So it takes multiple alligators and you can't have, you can't use that one belly on multiple shoes at all. Right. And so it was like just the front was belly, the back all hand dyed. They were runway only. They never went into whatever production, but never went to production. Like $10,000 shoes. Yeah. He's just giving to, he's jealous. Just out of his like little satchel. Like he was like, <laughs> I have them for you. I take them from you? the showroom for you. <laughs> yeah. And there's this, there's always in that what, a thing I've noticed being able to be around these guys. These can, I, can I also say, Please. I mean, this might not be part of your story where you're headed or I think you're headed, but we're also like when this is all happening, we are broke as all of the jokes. We are the brokest joke of all time. Like we can't, you know, we're like saving quarters for two buck Chuck. The only reason point. we're in Paris is because a man got hired to model. I got hired. Oh, so this is pre everything. This is pre Chip and Joe. This everything. Pre, this is pre oh, yeah. everything. So this is like, like he, I'm there as a flex that she's modeling in Paris. Well, I mean, it's not that yeah. big of a deal, I guess. First woman of cuddle, above cuddle. <laughs> First woman of color to model for a Louis Vuitton catalog to be the the model in a Louis Vuitton catalog. That's badass. That not even Naomi Campbell did a catalog before Amanda. Nobody in Louis Vuitton history was a woman of color in their catalog before Amanda Sudano Ramirez. Some some sort of statistic like that, yeah. So um, but yeah, so we're but we're you know like this this one check from this one shoot is gonna like last us all year. So the fact that we're getting something nice is like, you know, we're we're so excited about it. We're going home like, oh my gosh, look how nice my shoes are. Because otherwise, you know, we're like we're like saving pennies to go to Target and get a new pair of shoes. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. what I think, what I've noticed being in like just being able to get to be around some of these brilliant fashion minds and and really nice quality made goods is a lot of what happens like on instagram for preachers and sneakers isn't like because one thing i always hear is the pastors like well can't we have nice things i like nice things you don't like for i'm painting with a broad brush here you wouldn't recognize my boots my ten thousand dollar boots you wouldn't know them. That's you facts. wouldn't recognize my snakeskin slip-ons probably you wouldn't know my super nice stuff that's really nice because it's not loud doesn't have a you don't just want nice things you want everybody to know what you have on 
I don't have a problem with a pastor, and I have a different problem with a pastor wearing ten thousand dollars boots. I have a different problem with that. My problem is when you get up there with Saint Laurent, Saint Laurent, Saint Laurent, uh, all the all the brands, the loud stuff, because you look corny. You look you look like a user, man. <laughs> and the only reason that shirt costs three hundred dollars is because the person that bought it wants everybody to know their shirt is worth three hundred dollars. Yeah. The only reason there's a difference between fine luxury and loud craziness hype That's but you see the hype stuff it's the hype beast culture yeah even kanye said something really cool the other day i thought which i know i said that kanye said something really great <laughs> kanye doesn't want the yeezys to be 350 bucks he doesn't want them to be on have this super high resale value he wants them to be chucks yeah he wants a generation yeah. of people to be able to wear them as long as they want pass them down to their kids everybody that wants them to be able to have access to them that's what he wants right but we've created this hype beast culture where you wear a thing or you own a thing or you get a thing because other people can't and so now you have the leaders of service on the planet right the shepherds of, of souls shepherds of souls and of people that are meant to lead by by serving right like you're and point all of to us a god are. and not point to anything and else. not and, and they're, they're wearing not just nice things, not just nice things, but things that are hype beast culture, things that the whole reason this brand, this idea of what you're wearing exists is because of people wanting to brag about having it. And maybe they're just disconnected. I think a lot of it's that. I think a lot of them don't understand. They always, they were, watch, and, I, and I'm not going to diss any pastors in particular, but most pastors have been guys that are going to be on preachers and sneakers. If you see pictures of them from the nineties, they had sun in, they had puka shell necklace. Yep. They had maybe Jinko jeans. Maybe they were all in. I don't know. I don't know what they were doing. They, they've always been kind with of the trend, always super trendy. And there's nothing wrong with that, but this one, this is like, now you have access. Now you have people that can gift you these kind of loud items. And you're a shepherd of souls. And you're essentially saying one thing with your mouth and saying something else with what you're wearing. Yeah, and it's uh, it was it was surprising to see how shocked a lot of them were that people would care about them having shoes that were worth two thousand bucks or like resold for five thousand bucks. Which I think to your point was like a lot of them probably were disconnected or just unaware that people out here are struggling and yeah. that you're what you wear sends a message even if it's not fair like it sends a message yeah yeah it's uh i think it's interesting we live in america god bless america i'm so grateful to be here i am first generation cuban american my family came from cuba without a dollar without a change of clothes without a change of underwear on a boat that barely made it in the middle of a tropical storm i'm proud to be american Jeez. so grateful and i think there's something about our capitalist culture that so much gets swept under the rug. So much just doesn't get talked about because it's just who we are, man. Yeah. You work hard, you get stuff. You work hard, you get stuff. You work hard, you get stuff. You're a pastor. Like I get it. If your book sold 10 kajillion copies and you happen to have a jet, you don't tell anybody about that's chill. So chill. honestly it is chill. But when you're making six figures, maybe at a time, sometimes when you're making lots of money to go speak, I don't know. I don't know. I just don't know if I'm cool with it. I don't know. Yeah, I mean that's what that that you you represent a lot of people with the same struggle because it's hard to pinpoint because it's like you never want to be the type of person that wants to define who should make what. But there is something yeah. if you're in the Christian world and you grew up tithing and you grew up, 
trying to understand like the different roles within churches and stuff. It, it forced, it forced me to people to contend with the dollar signs associated with some of this stuff more so than like people would make fun of pastors when they would try to look hip. Cause like, Oh, he's just trying to be a hip looking pastor, a rock star pastor. But once they started right. realizing that, Oh, these are retailing for $1,200. That makes me feel weird. I'm feeling guilty because I'm not giving to the new building fund. Right. Yeah. And so like there, I get the catch 22 that we kind of put pastors in where it's like damned if you do damned if you don't, but also you should at least be try to be wise about how you project. Like you don't want to be controlled by the world. You don't want to be controlled by social media, but you also do want to care about your perception of your ministry. I think that's right. what we're asking, right? As a culture, as young Christians and believers, just to be a little bit aware. Do you need to wear your Gucci fanny pack on stage as you're preaching? I think the answer is a clear no. Yeah. Do you have, are you using, is there a spray that you need quick access to? <laughs> it was Louboutin, actually. People volunteer for you can't just bring you if you needed it. I just don't know that you need to wear a $2,000 fanny pack as you're preaching to people. I just don't. I don't think you do. And, you know, this person in particular that did that is somebody I look up to and I've sat under their preaching and been moved and felt the presence of God. But I bet people sat under David and felt the presence of God when he was leading worship. But I sure bet I wouldn't want to be friends with him if I knew him at the time and that he was murdering folks to sleep with their wives. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't know. Yeah. We love David, man, after God's own heart. But honestly, if I knew that dude at the time and I knew what he was doing, I'd probably be like, was it Saul Samuel? Who's the prophet that came to him? So you were the man. Said said there is a there is a fox that is slaying sheep. I'm I'm ruining the story. I'll, I, the end I know for sure. But he's telling him he's telling him an analogy. There, there's slaughtering happening. There's someone in the flock that is destroying and destructive. And David gets all hype. He said, "Who is it? Who is it? We're going to take care of him." And he looks at him. He says, "Thou art that man. You are that man." Yeah. And yeah. I, you know, and that's a that's a huge lesson and a turning point in the story of David. And I think maybe in some ways. What, it, what you're accomplishing maybe without even knowing it with the Preachers and Sneakers uh, idea, especially the, the Graham, is you're essentially being the prophet that looks at the pastor and says, there's a problem, and you are that man. And that's not unholy. Yeah. yeah I, I Thank you for saying that. I don't want to – I never will claim – profit status that's that's not a game i'm trying to play but i do Man, i do see how he could be using it to send a message to a broader audience he has i think used it to send a message to a broader audience because it does it it's not only just talking about like pastor lifestyles but the whole discussion brings up whole like macro level things about modern christians obsession with fame and brands and stuff and streetwear and production and, and entertainment, all that kind of stuff, all of which in a micro level can be fine. But at a macro yep. level in 2020, 21, there's a lot of stuff that goes into Christianity that just doesn't point to God. And I think it's just worth drilling down on that a little bit, at least like to say, is this the best way to follow the creator of the universe? Right. Maybe. Meanwhile, my, my uncle is a Franciscan friar, so he's taken a vow of poverty and so when you see him, he's, you know, he wears like a... He smells. No. <laughs> he wears a robe, like a very simple gray way. robe and the same sandals. And for Christmas, you know, he, he of course doesn't ask for gifts. He sleeps on a floor. Where, where is he, he in the world? 
He's in New Jersey. He's in um, in Newark. He, that is where the um, monastery is that he's at. And he just works with poor communities. He travels around and um, works with poor communities. Wow. So he'll be like for two weeks and sleep on a dirt floor and, you know, play with the mm-hmm. kids there. And, and we actually, we don't see him that often because he travels around a lot and he's obviously very involved in his community, but he actually came last Christmas, which especially because of the pandemic, I'm realizing now how much of a gift that was, but he came for three days. Um, and two Christmases ago. Sorry, two Christmases ago. Yeah. Before the pre, pandemic, pre, pre, pre COVID. Um, and you know, he's just, a, just, like a blessing to be around and he you know doesn't ask for anything if you want to give him a christmas gift like you can get him some maybe some new like fruit of the loom underwear that 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 could be helpful you know but it, it's the it's so far the one extreme yeah. you know and then you have this other extreme and you know obviously there's there is a place in the middle you know we have a we had a conversation with a pastor friend of ours about all this you know a couple months ago and 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 he actually just got a new house and it's this beautiful new house and they had somebody in the church um gifted them like a ton of money to redo their house because they've just been, you know, pouring into the church, pouring into the church. And this rich guy came in and said, I want you guys to have the house that you want. Here's a bunch of money, do what you want with it. And so they have this beautiful, amazing house and they never post a thing about it. Yeah. You never see anything in their house. You never see, you know, and his one thing that he says is he's like, I like if I ever got out of my car and heard somebody say nice ride pastor, I would have a problem. Yeah. Like I never want, you know, like, Sure, we might be able to afford it at this point. We might have saved up and we can afford the super nice thing, but do we really need it? And is there something else? You know, that's always the question that's, you know, he was saying that's always a question that's on my mind. And that's what you want to see. Like, nobody's going to get it right all the time. Nobody's going to, you know, like, nobody's going to have it all figured out. But there is kind of a sense of like, let's ask the questions. Let's let's look at it. Maybe if you are asking people to volunteer you know, all of their time and and also ask them to give their money when they Mm -hmm. can barely eat maybe there's like some wisdom that can go into it and balance that out and go, okay, maybe and, and what I was saying about like that we were broke, like people might've seen us walking around like, Oh, they have nice things. They've got crocodile boots on or whatever. And we were really broke. And, you know, and so, uh, you know, we might've been on stage and people might've thought, Oh yeah, they're like really doing it when we weren't, you know what I mean? Yep. And so th- just because a pastor's given something nice doesn't mean that they're actually like really rolling yeah. it. And I understand that too. But it is kind of like, well, let's maybe think about it. Have some wisdom. Yeah, I, yeah. I totally agree with well, you. Like the wisdom, it's just that's a product of wisdom to say, I at least want to consider what I do right. and why I do it. Even like right. individual Christians, like what you post on social media, it's worth questioning. Hey, am I doing this so people think I'm awesome, or am I doing this to 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 make people envious of my life? That kind of thing. I think all those things are important for everybody to ask. Absolutely. Cause it, it does. I do think social media adds a whole other, a whole other microscope to it. And obviously a telescope too. people from <laughs> far away can look in. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. They can look from far away very closely. Yeah. It's so, it's so interesting. Yeah. And I remember, uh, Abner and I, it was pretty early on that you and I connected yep. on Instagram. Cause I had, I had listened to your music before and, and, and I, at that time I was, watching everybody come in and follow and stuff. And so we started talking and I remember us essentially having somewhat of the same conversation. Like y'all had been talking about this in private or at least been thinking about these kind of things because y'all are, you're not a CCM band, but you do exist in a lot of the same spaces. Like, I don't know if y'all performed at many churches, but y'all have all the high profile pastor friends. You've got all the high profile, I'm sure like Christian artist friends as well. 
And so, Which we might lose after they hear this podcast. Yeah, yeah I've had several others that were like kind of concerned when they came on. It's like, you know what? I'm going to lose some friends over this, but it's fine. <laughs> I love I love my guys. And, I, and they know, uh, and I know they love me. And so if I lose a friend over saying some stuff like this, then we should have been talking about it earlier. Right. That's right. And yeah. Did y'all ever do it like a church circuit type thing? Like were, were y'all ever playing in churches touring early? We were really close with uh, two churches in Houston. We've been really close with when we were dating maybe really early on i grew up leading worship that's how i learned how to play guitar okay i was in the and uh hillcrest baptist church west side of jackson versus southern baptist yeah that's a whole other podcast um but i loved it man i was at church literally four days a week i'd be at visitation on mondays i'd be at church sunday mon- sunday morning and sunday night wednesday night awana's when i was little wednesday night youth service mm-hmm. and then we'd always do a volunteer project or something during the summer i'd be there literally no lie six to seven days a week Every week, every summer. So were you on staff or was this a volunteer situation? I mean, I was a kid. So when I was like 13, I had been playing violin for six, six or seven years. And it was back when Kidman's Call was really big. Yeah. Da, da, da. And uh, so they had a really like folky worship band in the youth group. And they asked me if I could play violin. I was like, absolutely. So I played violin with the worship band for a couple of years. And then I remember I got sat down. They were kicking me out of the band, but I didn't really realize it. <laughs> I just thought, oh. They said, Abner, listen, we, really, we love what you're doing, you know, singing back up, playing violin. But we're really changing our sound or moving to more like electric guitar sound, that kind of thing. And we really don't see a place in the band for a violinist. Drama. And I was like, that's cool. I can learn how to play guitar. It's like, no, no, like, no, I'll oh, stay. Yeah. I'll just learn to play guitar. I literally didn't leave, dude. It was like a rehearsal they were asking me to not be at. <laughs> and so the next big guitar, and I just, my, I'd never played guitar before, but I'd been playing violin for years and years. So I uh, I just moved all this dexterity to this, and I learned the three chords I needed That's right. to play all of the songs for that worship set, and I got to stay in the band. And so I'd been playing in church my whole life, and then you know, when me and before me and Amanda met and were dating, I was leading worship at churches a little bit, traveling a little bit uh, in Jacksonville, in uh, Nashville. I didn't really lead worship. I did the church we went to in Nashville we led worship, but then uh, a dear friend of mine. Israel Houghton had invited us to come to Lakewood Church. Yeah. And we really connected with Joel and the team at Lakewood. Uh, that's one dude, by the way, I won't take anybody talking crap about at all. I'll, really? I'll come across the internet if somebody comes after Joel Osteen. Yeah. Because he gets so much that he doesn't deserve. So much heat. He's a very easy he target. He's an easy target and he's the sweet. Tell you what, a guy that has the heart of a monk he sold a lot of books but he has the heart of a monk the dude is all about serving his people his heart is absolutely in the right place I've, I've called joel i remember one time there was like a like a targeted attack at lakewood it wasn't violent but people were standing up from different parts calling him a, a heretic mm. and they're all having to be escorted and be escorted and we were in san diego playing a show at the time we were driving back up the next day and i called joel osteen and i remember telling him joel I, and i think it was a voicemail but i called him and said joel i'm so proud of you I'm honored to call you a friend. I'm honored to be, to call you pastor. And I would go to war with you. I would go to war on your behalf or behind you or next to you tomorrow. You just say the word. Wow. And he really has, he's been a faithful friend. He's generous and kind and humble and an all around amazing human being that does the best with what he has, which is a lot. So a lot's expected of him. Mm -hmm. But I really don't think there's anybody. I don't think there's anybody on earth like Joel Osteen. He is, uh, that's my guy. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I can't argue with that. I mean, it's one of those, it's one of those deals where if like, if you don't know somebody, it's very easy to criticize. Obviously half of my, like it's 
half of the internet is that. And so yeah. like, there's no arguing with the experience you've had with somebody like, and I know him and I believe it. And I think that's a comment. I, I'm not trying to interrupt you. I think it's just a delay okay, in the sound. Uh, I think that's a common theme about him from people that actually know him because like the mm. biggest dudes like Furtick, TD Jakes, all those guys, it's very like, uh, it's very easy for a person like me to come and poke at because he's, they're the biggest, they're the biggest. They have the hugest platforms. You know, they're not hurting. They're not going to get hurt like financially or anything from anything an idiot on Instagram says. So it's nice to hear actual background about these people that I'm sure are misunderstood by the majority of people. Yeah. I've definitely texted a pastor friend of mine before in the early days when, when you were tagging folks mm-hmm. that was in the comments going at people that were hating on him. And I, I called him. He didn't pick up. So I started texting him. I was like, dude, chill. Don't go after these people. It just makes it, it makes them stronger. It's their superpower. Just stop, stop, stop. Yeah. That, that, that's when it was like out of control and I, I couldn't keep up with anything. And yeah, the ones that chose to kind of engage very early on, it did not go well for them. That was a mistake. Big time mistake. I don't listen. I've got a lot of friends that you post pictures of friends, people that I'm close to that I love yeah, yeah. dearly. I don't think, I think we're making a mistake if this can't be a conversation. Yeah. I think we're just leading people in a fancier, more acceptable cult. <laughs> if we can't have conversations like these, if we can't ask questions, if we can't ask for more, I mean, you think about I, one of my dear friends, prop, hip-hop yeah propaganda Jason Petty. he's uh, a lot of people quote him right now and it comes to mind often he says i don't hate america i just demand that she lives up to her promises yeah, that's legit. and i'm not that's legit. against any of these pastor friends of mine i'm not against their movements their churches nothing i love them there I, I i want to be able to expect more from folks i want to be able to ask questions of folks in leadership and in, in the right kind of way and i think you've made some of those moves as well with comments and tags and whatever, where you try to do it in an honoring way where you're asking real questions that are tough and maybe you get dirty. Yeah. But you want to, you, you try to be responsible even in how you're doing it. And I'm here. I am trying to measure my words as we're doing this. Babe, say something. You're too pretty to sit back. And <laughs> Hello. There are some daily comforts that just make you grateful and feel more grounded in life. Petting the dog, hitting the snooze button. And of course that first cup of coffee. These are things that you can on every day to help you get where you want to go. Things like the Upper Room Daily Devotional Guide. You can count on the Upper Room for daily inspiration, daily community, and daily prayer. It's the only daily devotional magazine written by readers, ordinary people, people who have encountered God in daily situations. The Upper Room is here for you every day through your email, a custom app, or printed magazine. Enjoy a free 30-day trial of the email or app service by visiting upperroom.org welcome. That's U-P-P-E-R-R-O-O-M dot org slash welcome to get your first 30 days free. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I agree. And I think that we should all have a posture of if somebody's got something to say about what we're doing or how we're doing it, we should, a part of us should at least take pause and try to see if there's any validity to it. Like if you, Man, if you immediately chalk things hard. up as hate, like people hating on you. You're just never, you're just going to turn into an echo chamber or surrounding yourself with an echo chamber and never being able to like refine 
the things you do online. Like we put ourselves in this weird position online because it's like, woe is you. You don't know me. You can't comment on anything, but I'm also choosing to put my entire life on the internet. So like right. it's kind of asking people to critique things. And so at least be, I guess, open to uncomfortable criticism or critique, I think. Got to, got to, got to. It's uh, it's funny, man. Church, what is it? What's the tagline of your book? It's so good. Uh, in an in a era of uh, fake sincerity, wouldn't faith for profit or something? Authenticity in an age of for-profit faith and wannabe celebrities. That's just so good. That's just so good. Thank you. I did not pay him to say that. I could have. Oh, man. Thank you. I love it. I love it, man. I'm, I'm excited to read the book. I sent the quote in a couple of days ago. I don't know if you got it. I did. It. You I was it. very grateful. It's going to Before print today. Amanda, he yeah. spoke for you as well. I don't know if he told you that, but. I was, I was, I was Okay. I was who's on Instagram or now TikTok. She's like, babe, I heard this thing on TikTok. I was like, you don't even have to say where you heard it anymore. Just tell me you heard a thing and I'll assume TikTok. Right. Tell me if it's anywhere other than that. TikTok is such yeah. a time suck. Like if there's any, like, say again. I said, I don't understand how it works. I'm on there. Like, I'm like, let me just look at it real quick. And then I'm like, did two hours yeah. just <laughs> I'm learning kitchen hacks and also dances, but also like a look into a trash man's life and how is it interesting like <laughs> I, got, I got into like alien alien like conspiracy theory tiktok i got into that side of the talk last night so this morning i was like did you know <laughs> was like, oh my God. there's this adopted kid that said he was from mars and then he went into what is it he no then he um started giving information about like um the sphinx and like the pyramids and stuff and he knew all this information that nobody had discovered yet and he was the one that like told the authorities go look in this part of the sphinx there's there's a trap door blah 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 and then they put him in hiding of course i haven't verified any of these <laughs> we've reached this level of quarantine where like we're given we're given alien conspiracies a chance because why not screw this year why not? there's been several heads of state that have said have talked about them that's right that stuff's so. interesting that stuff is legit interesting though because it's yeah. like there's tidbits that they put out in like mainstream media that's like wait a second this is there's actually shit going on out here in space, bro. I mean, yeah. you saw, did you see those, um, like the UFOs yes. that have been the last couple of years where they're just like, they're like, well, we don't know this. There's just a random triangle. They look like shape. they're breaking the laws of physics. Yeah. yeah and it's just in the air. I'm like, either we're living in a simulation they have no or that's the UFO. <laughs> yeah. And we're both. It's like videos from like F-18 pilots that are like, look, I'm a, I'm a rational trained person and I've never seen anything like this before. Like, I don't understand how that's going. That's crazy. I don't know. That's crazy. I mean, and they say they're like, of course, like, you know, it could be that another country has figured something else out. It's not from another planet. And it's just another country's research and development. And they're testing something out. That's boring. Right. I want to hear about aliens. (laughs) I want to hear about the monolith. Go to bed with my little mother's milk tea. I want to hear about aliens. Okay. Because it's another form of escapism. It's like, look, life sucks right now. Let me just learn about these fake aliens. Just pretend that the aliens are real. Yeah. Yes. Man, I want to talk more about it. How do I talk more about it without getting in trouble? Not the alien stuff, but the pastor stuff. Um, I want to. T- what about uh, green rooms? So, like Lakewood, you've toured around some of these places. Maybe some of these Christian conferences. Uh-huh. Is there any crazy green room stories that you have? I always ask about this, and so far, everybody that's told stories from it has redacted it because a pastor has come oh, no, at what? them. I, I- yeah. Oh, I'll tell one. Yes, please. Hold um, on. How did they redact 
does the pastor come out of? Like they said it and then told the pastor. Ba- the well, basically, they said the story on the podcast and then texted me later saying, "Hey, bro, so and so is upset because it's like that." So, what do you do in that case? Do you go back and edit it? Can you edit what's it out, or you just take out the whole? Yeah, you just you just episode? take down the whole episode, edit it, and then upload it back. Wow. So, Time question: Are you asking about? that have happened or just overall experiences? I think he's looking for that. You remember that one place we went with that one secret closet? That's what I was going to talk yeah, about. Yeah, you should talk about that. Let's leave all names loose. Sure. Okay, yeah, yeah. we were right. at one Christian college who's the head no, of the college. Start over. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, there's three Christian colleges out there. All right, let's... Right. So we were just say we're at a Christian... I, I will say across the board, green rooms at any sort of church event is like my favorite thing ever because they take such good care of you. We're so used to club life where it's like, Oh, somebody yeah, peed man. in that corner the other day. And here I am doing my makeup. Or son, don't look at the wall right there, please. Right. All day. A lot of penises the on the wall. <laughs> like we've lost band members because they were used to church life. They're used yeah. to touring church life. And that's a whole other thing. Like there's an honorarium, yeah. right? That the artist gets coming to a church, but everything else is paid for as well. That's not real life. That's only church life that's, that's christian so like if we got hired to go to a church and a band's coming with us they pay for everybody's plane tickets they give us an honorarium we pay out of the honorarium for the band whatever but everything else is covered right and the way they take care of you the people that volunteer come on man we all grew up in church like their heart is into this yeah. they're not just they're serving you as they would the lord they're serving you as an act of service to their god like it's it's a beautiful powerful principled thing there's nothing those are kids walking in there's nothing there's nothing like the way people at church serve folks. Mm-hmm. Right. There's nothing like it. There is no equal. And so we've lost band members because then they come with us to clubs and it's just backstage. And you got like, stage so hands yelling like, at you, cussing you out. People telling can you, can we stay in a better on. hotel? And we're like, uh, no, <laughs> sorry. That's church life. Well, when I was on tour with so-and-so, they put us up at such and such place. And it was the I'm same sure amount of people did. in the room. Like, yeah. Nobody's tithing at freaking Benny's backyard exactly. club. Exactly. Yeah. Like everybody's paying 15 bucks for a ticket and uh that's that um but they're so they're always really nice whenever you go in it's just nice to be taken care of and there's always like space and snacks and i am a for those enneagram people i'm a nine on the enneagram but i am a self-preservation nine which means i walk into a party and i find the coziest spot i want a snack i want to know that there's a bathroom nearby i want to have like my own little private corner and that's what church green rooms give you hmm. they just give you all that However, there was this one that was all great. Everything's beautiful. And it was above and beyond. Above and beyond. Like the, the, the people that were serving us before we got there had written us on note cards. We get a stack of note cards. This, and it was beautiful. I think we cried about it. It was yeah. a really powerful thing uh, with little notes about. And this is after we, we were Johnny Swim, not just Abner Vandal leading worship. Um, what the music has meant to them. Every person that was volunteering in that green room had written us a note about what the music had meant to them. And it was that's powerful. dope. And, yeah. you know, a lot of times they give you like a little gift basket with like snacks and gifts or stuff for your hotel or whatever. This we were actually coming in on the tour bus. And so they did. They gave us like a little like hand drawn thing that had like our album cover on it. And it was beautiful, this little gift package. And then at the end, so we already thought like, wow, they really like blessed us. They went above and beyond with these like gifts and the snacks and the cards. And we like feel so blessed by this. And then somebody was like, oh, but come here. There's something else. And there was a hidden, like, a secret closet in this guy's office. It was a wardrobe. It was like a wardrobe. Massive oak wardrobe. And he opened it, and it was, like, full of, like, luxury goods and, like, Beats by Dre headphones and, like, all this, like, just luxury stuff. 
And he's like, yeah, just take stuff. Like, you know, whenever I travel, they give me a budget and I just go buy really expensive, nice things all over the world so that like people can come and like take them when they come as like gifts, which, yeah. So we didn't just, typically in that situation, uh, we'd be like, oh, what's our limit here? (laughs) (laughs) My headphones. Everything. We were nuts. We still use. No, I think, I think we got three things. I think we got like the headphones and like a nice blanket and like a pen or something, but it was done. They're like, yeah, go for it. We're like, really? Like. These kids are paying tuition. Yeah, this feels. Hey, like, nobody. No, 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 this is this is what the budget's for. We're like, okay. Nobody takes care of you like people that don't pay taxes. On That's the right. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be the teaser line for the episode, I think. <laughs> And that's the truth, man. Nobody like Lakewood takes care of when we when we would go to Lakewood and we plan on returning because I love that church. We love serving there. Hope City Church in Houston, Texas as well. We love serving there. We love being there. Pastor Jeremy and Jenny there are dear. We, they're not just friends or homies. They are like family to us. They're amazing. They are shining examples of what I believe being a pastor in America should look like, mm. what, what serving in modern culture should look like. Uh, that's Jeremy and Jenny both. Yeah, he's not they a flashy are, dude. He kind of wears the same thing. Every time he preaches. Yeah, man. Exactly. And it's, uh, and, and I'm going to sound like church. And it's a heart thing, man. Like the dude. Yeah. Of course. About at such a level. And he puts himself so secondary to those that he's serving. And we've had a great time being a part of their journey there at Hope City Church as well. And we, uh, we plan on being back. We'll be back at Hope City as soon as we can, as soon as COVID will let us. I want to be back at Lakewood as soon as we can. Yeah. I got, I got no problem. It's just, there's nothing. It is so refreshing. There's nothing like going to church to serve folks and finding like-minded folks and being the way they take care of you. It's, it's, it's unparalleled. Yeah. Yeah. And we're, we're all collectively missing out on a lot of that right now. I am especially like, I'm sure I'm not the exception feeling the effects of like not being able to do that because I, the funny thing about us three and my wife is the last actual concert in a dome with real people was my wife and I came to see y'all open up for Lauren Daigle, which seems yeah, like man. an eternity ago. Gosh, it was like not even a year. That's was that, what was it? it was like, it was like one or two days before the complete national shutdown. Okay. I think it was like the weekend before yeah. the, Chip and Joe. Yeah. Chip, right? Yeah. Cause they were, it was in Dallas and they were at the box, I think which is just crazy to think about. But I think I miss stuff like that. So as I'm sure y'all do freaking a, because that gives me life. And even like just going to church, like our church is halfway open, but it's not the same. Like to not be able to go embrace people and to be like close to others is every, I'm about to be the roaring twenties again, bro. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to go like all that fantasy about being back on stage and playing shows and, the energy and being able to, I'm already preparing myself for how we will steer rooms with maximum amount of energy possible. Because I just can't, I, I really believe it's going to be years of partying after yeah. this in the best yeah. way. People are just going to be making out, doing lines, whatever. <laughs> They're like, dude, nothing matters, bro. We've been in quarantine for two years. We were joking about like having our first big party like after quarantine's over. Like we're just gonna like lick you to get in. You have to lick my hand. (laughs) (laughs) Eat whatever you want. We we, we only have one cup. Everybody uses the same cup. We get every other disease, but we don't get COVID. Yeah, that's hilarious. But y'all have like you have adapted pretty well to this. Like you've done the shows in the backyard, which like progressively each one the production level got higher and higher. I watched like all those today. 
I on like well I skipped through some of them but uh just because they're all like an hour and a half long or like two hours long uh but I thought y'all did such a good job with that and I I have felt uh so bad for those that are in in full-time entertainment because after that show in Dallas all entertainment was cut off at the legs uh how was the how was the response to that was it like was that just to pass the time and to feel like you're doing something or did you find like there was a different kind of uptick in exposure or interaction or anything? Well, we didn't do it for exposure and interaction. We did it because we have to do something. We have to perform. I made Amanda once. Can I say this, Ben? I don't know. I keep my hat, my show hat next to the bed on this, uh, I have this big wide brim hat that I wear and it's on a hat hanger on the wall right next to my side of the bed. And I get, I get bummed after tour. I get the blues real bad. Yeah. Uh, couple days but then it, it sinks in and i'll go maybe a week or two and i'll I have to i have to really work myself out of this kind of depressed funk you know because that's such a it's high so, to be able to try every night yeah hang out with a couple thousand of your favorite people get screamed at high five have a drink go to sleep like it's just it's a drug like any like i can't imagine you know yeah anything being like it and so uh early on in covid when we realized it was going to be a little longer than three weeks or whatever everybody assumed at first we, uh, I asked Amanda, I was getting in bed, I was in my boxers, and I grabbed my hat off the thing, and I said, babe, can you just clap for me, please? And she applauded me. You did great, babe. I took a bow, a good day today. and I laid down and went to bed. Wow. <laughs> and it helped so much. <laughs> it helped so much. It's kind of embarrassing. But I think with all the backyard stuff, I mean, one of the things that we miss most, obviously, is the community. Either you're blinking a long time or you're frozen. I must be oh, frozen. No. Y'all look frozen, too. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Back. Uh, one of the things that we miss of tour, whether it's like touring with and having new audiences or having our team together, and you know, like we love hanging with our with our crew. We literally had one tour a couple years ago that we hated, and we were like, maybe we should stop touring. And like the main reason why was that like the 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 particular group of people that we had together, they didn't like to hang out together. And so we were always trying to get people to hang out with us, and they're like, we're good. And we're like, this is boring. This sucks. We never. <laughs> Um, and it was literally because nobody wanted to hang out. Um, so we we missed that aspect of it. And so we did this thing, Songs of Strangers, yeah. first, which we like would random person on the internet and write a song with them, or, or sometimes a couple people. And then Malay, who we talked about, our producer that we love, he lives directly across the street. So we would like you know drop over on people's uh, on his porch, like you know a hard drive, a hard drive, and he would work on it over there. And we would and we put a song out in one day. And so we did that, and it got to the point where. You know, people were just like would be at work with like you know Instagram live up on up, and they'd just be following along with it, and it kind of built this whole community just within the chat. In the chat, man, there's like a couple that's doing really well that met over chats, and now they're Valentine's Day together. Yeah, like people, are, there's a whole friend groups that have been created out of these chats because we'd be on we'd be on Instagram live for 13 hours right. straight, dude. So it kind of started out of this community wow. of like, oh, okay, we just did this whole thing, and we had every week we have all these people together t- talking and that's kind of exhausting. We don't know whether we want to do another song like that right now, yeah. but what yeah. if we just did a little show in the backyard? With, oh, we did a little show, a show in the backyard with, um, you know, with just like our friends and they'll just do what we can do. And it, the same sort of thing happened. It kind of the community continued in that way. And so it just became, it became a way to continue community, I think. And it is also just like, you know, it's in us to just to do to do that. So that was such a good idea. And just, like only very few people could execute on that. Sorry, I know I know she's got parenting duties and we're way over no, time. Uh, 
Preschool teachers. I'm having fun. Uh, preschool teachers dropping off some stuff for Joaquin, so they're doing a social distance hello thing. Oh, okay, yeah. Outside. Um, but I thought it was. There's probably only very few people that could execute something like that and make it meaningful and not tacky. Like I'm sure plenty of people could try to write a song in real time, uh, but the mix of y'all's abilities and your performing abilities and the access to like world class production across the street. Grammy award winning producer, songwriter, engineer, chef too. <laughs> yeah. Like, isn't he a dope chef? That's my favorite part about it. That's so. His friendship. That's so sweet. And like, so like, you did the songs of strangers thing. You did the live from the backyard thing, and you had like all my favorite people on there too. Like, you had Toby. You had Caitlin Tarver. You had. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't call Hanson my favorite, but like, you've had all these awesome artists to come like collab. How was that? Because you had it, um, one, like I'm very curious about Toby because that dude obviously is like blown up on the scene. Uh, K- yeah. Caitlin is actually a really good friend now through the account. Like we've met, we met up in LA and everything. But wow. Toby, tell me about your like history with him because he is like one of my favorite artists right now. Like the realist. I, he, I met him. He was one of the uh, first. All right, so we'll t- we'll put a bow in this real quick. Uh, he helped start Hope City Church in Houston, Texas, with Jeremy Foster. Okay. First people at the church, he uh, there was this four two nine was an event, a young adults event Jeremy used to do years ago, and I met Toby and some people back in the four two nine days, and I think Toby was still playing football. I might get that wrong. If he hears this, he'll correct me. Um, I hope he does. But then we became close at Hope City when uh, we we were leading worship at Hope City a lot, and we'd hang out back backstage in the green room, uh, and so we became really close. Fat and Amanda became super close, like love each other like a lot she's got like, bars too got bars uh fat walked in one time i'll never forget when uh i met her she's like i'm fat and she's you know beautiful mm-hmm. very small person and i was like she's like yeah fat <laughs> i was like okay <laughs> i couldn't say it even though i could say it. i remember to this day if i go to hope city recently i went to hope city by myself well recently like a year ago yeah. before covid um Fat ran into the dressing room with Toby. Oh my god, that ran into. Oh, it's just you because I. I was, <laughs> uh, man, we've become really close. We've always wanted to work together. He's uh, he's been really kind. Um, he pimps us out a lot, and has been. We've wanted to collaborate, and I'm sure there's a lot more collaboration in the future coming. He's a, he's a dear friend. Yeah. Um, talk about genius! Like again, I don't say it much, but this is the second time I've said it. Dude's a brilliant. He's a brilliant mind. Yeah. A, an unbelievable artist i don't know what we would do without those types of poets yeah i don't know if you've seen his sway freestyle i have he, he like, goes for like an hour yeah. and he's like yeah, i can go more you want me to stop and so he's like all right no it's enough it's enough <laughs> like they basically just stopped because he would have just kept going and that's him man and he'll say things in ways that i just never would have thought to say him in that way and honestly you know what we did with what we what we're doing with Live with the Backyard, what we did with Songs of Strangers, recording, writing, releasing a song in a day. That's nothing compared to what he's doing. He's putting out a song with an award winning music video every week for ten years. No, it's it's legitimately bananas. But he he's become he and Fat have become close friends of ours. We love him very much, and we plan on collaborating a lot, a lot, a lot. Over I'm so years. I'm so like as a music fan and a like kind of musician. I always appreciate when when true talent gets its spot in the mainstream. Like cuz you could tell yeah. like he's probably been doing this 
for a long time. I don't know his whole history, but he did a couple things that really like sent a perfect message and in the right outlets. And now he's getting his, and I'm like so happy to see people like that get theirs because it's not hype and it's not, uh, it's not pop production backhouse, like making him sound better than he is. Like this dude is, is legit. And Nell too, like the beats are freaking outstanding too. What I love about uh, one of the things where we find simpatico is, you know, every producer in the world wants to work with, with him right now. And he's like, you know, I'll work with you, but you got to work with Nell. Nell's a co-producer on everything. Yes. Like there's nothing to do because it's the, it's the family. It's the truth of who they are, where they, where it came from, how it started. And if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. And I'm sure he like takes that loyalty very seriously. Like no new friends. Like, you know, you can tell people when coming out, when they're coming out of the woodwork, once you get a little bit of a success versus your ride or dies. Yeah. Super loyal. We, uh, we just shot our second TV show. We just wrapped on it recently. And we were sitting with one of our home on the producers. road. Uh, we did. We just finished home on the road. And we just finished shooting a show called at home with Johnny. Smith. Oh, that's a completely different show. Yeah. Different show. So we'll have two TV shows out next year. Nice. On, or this year uh, on Magnolia network, which I'm very excited about. But at the end of the shooting day, you know, we kind of, we'd shoot five, six days a week for at home. Cause it's basically home on the road, but us at home figuring out, life in covid and you get some life in the backyard you get some of that stuff cool uh at the end of a shooting day the producers would sit down with us typically we're having dinner having a drink afterwards and they'll sit with us all right so what are we gonna do tomorrow we're talking about this and that that that, that. and uh i happen to be face facetime with toby and i could see this producer see the name toby. i was like do you know toby he said, yeah no I, I, and the other producer he's like toby's biggest fan and so i handed him the phone and we still have a video of his interaction meeting toby over my phone That's dope. And, you know la big time tv producer just losing like he's it. seen everybody like, and this is the one guy that makes him starstruck works on a bunch of superstar tv shows with like a lot of celebrities yada yada he meets toby over facetime and just loses it it was very it, it was uh a testament and as, you know as white as you can get to by the way <laughs> so like a testament to to Toby's influence in his reach. Yeah, that's awesome. It's, it'll be interesting to see what what he does in the long run because like he's making an impact with everything. Like he put out a song with freaking uh, Big Crit and uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the most recent one, um, Bun B. Yeah, Bun B. Oh, it's like legend. It's just crazy to think about how much your life can change in a year. Yeah, Black Thought. Black he Thought. Did, uh, no, everybody knows Toby. Yeah, Forget about. I mean, it. BET Awards. Like you. That yeah, he made it. That's so dope. So uh, I don't want to keep you all day, but there's a few things. So you have the two shows on Magnolia. Your homies with Chip and Joe. I yeah. I do just for my own edification. I want to know about the moment that things changed when they announced that your song was going to be on Fixer Upper because at the time Fixer Upper was essentially equivalent of I don't know. It wasn't what it is. I mean it. It was the most popular thing that every girl, middle-aged mom, everybody was talking about. You know what it wasn't? It wasn't at the time. Uh, season one kind of came and went, and I'm sure it had great numbers and great stats, but it wasn't the phenomenon that it is now or that it became soon thereafter. Really soon thereafter. It was the end of season one. Me and a man had gone home for Christmas or something. Uh, we didn't even – I'd never heard of Fixer Up in my life. We get home. Mom had – uh, DVR'd this show and she's like, You gotta watch it, Abner. You gotta watch it. She didn't tell me we're home for like a week. Mac in Jacksonville, Florida, where I'm from. I was like, Mom, we come on. She's like, Oh, you're laying on the couch. Here, I'm gonna put the show on for you. 
and it's fixer upper and we watch it it's amusing it's a you know it's a cool show it's great um and it was just funny how hardcore my mom was like you're gonna love these people you're gonna love these people, gonna love these people. And i love the show i sure did we get back to la there's a email or a call from our agent like hey hgtv wants to get a hold of you guys the song for a theme song uh but the but the people the stars of the show really want to talk to you like, okay uh, what is it? Like, oh, we had at the time a no reality TV show clause for our music. Period. Oh wow! Because there was this show. I don't love in hip hop. Maybe uh, it was this scene. This guy was meeting with his mistress, and he had like a girlfriend. And this was his side chick, and they're meeting at a coffee shop, and she's crying. Baby, you know you're my man. You know you're the one for me. He's like, Nah, girl. I told you this is what it is. You my side hoe. You always been my side chick. You knew that. And da da da. Whatever. I'm leaving, and she's crying. Right. Awkward pause. No music. He walks to the door, and he says, Oh, and you forgot these. And he throws her used panties across the room, and it lands on the table in front of her. And as the panties go flying across the air, it goes with the diamonds, diamonds, diamonds of Africa. <laughs> no, no. It had the no reality clause. And so we told our we told our agency at the time no reality TV ever again none no matter what doesn't matter unless they're coming with lots of zeros yeah. we don't want reality TV it's not for us thank you very much no and so Rapper was trying to get <laughs> if our agency you know diligently had said no Johnny Swim doesn't do their music doesn't go on reality TV I'm gonna grab a coffee hold on yeah their music doesn't go on reality TV the answer is no so they'd called back a couple times so finally. It came to the point where Chip and Joe wanted to talk to us and ask us personally to get the song. And so the agency got, hey, this is kind of weird, this show, blah, blah, blah. Well, what's the show anyway? And they say, oh, it's a show called Fixer Upper. And Amanda grabbed my arm. She goes, that's the show your mom's obsessed with. <laughs> and I think mom might have even been with us at the time because she, my mom's so sweet, so humble, no, so quiet. No, it was after. Oh, after. Mom was like, son, son, I never ask you for anything. anything. <laughs> I never, please put your song on Fixer Upper. Please put your song on Fixer Upper, Abner. Please. Uh, I didn't know mom was changing our life that yeah. day, <laughs> but she did. So, and it wasn't like some real quick, like bang songs on there. All of a sudden, everything's different. We've never had that experience with anything. Hmm. Uh, there's never been a moment being on the tonight show. Being on, nothing has ever just catapulted us at all in one fell swoop. Everything's been a spoke in a wheel. And if the wheel ever stopped moving, you'd never even notice the spoke at all. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, things continued from there. Things continued for Chip and Joanna. Things continued for us. And it built into this thing that's, that has been now looking back, life-changing yeah uh that that song on that show and more than anything just the friendship with chip and joe and how kind they've been to us and the champions they've been for us that's been life-changing uh but yeah it was it was that we didn't want to put a song on reality tv ever again and then chip and joanna called we got on the phone with them and they said i'll never forget joanna saying this there's the four of us on the phone and she said guys i know this is going to sound weird you're probably going to hang up and be like who's this weirdo but I just want to tell you, I was listening to your album the other day. And it, was, it must have been Diamonds at the time. Listen to your album, Diamonds. And I just felt like as I was listening to this, so confident that we were going to be friends and that we were supposed to be friends. I was just listening. I was like, we're supposed to be friends with them. We're supposed to be friends. I don't know what it is. And it was right on the money. Those are our people. The Chip and Joe are our, our humans, man. They must we'll, be exactly like they are on TV then. Because I think anyone would assume that y'all would be all best buds because y'all are probably a lot of like i think they've done such a great job one thing we've really tried to do in our career man i need you to talk because people are gonna get sick of my voice one thing we've tried to do in our career is not fake the funk not try to be something we're not we've tried if we can make a career 
being completely ourselves, our authentic selves, the way that sounds in music, the way it sounds in conversation, the way it looks, if we can make a career doing that, we'll be working the rest of our lives. Yeah. We'll never we'll never have to worry for work because we'll never have to fake it. We'll never have to figure out what's the new St. Laurent we got to put on. Right. What's the new sneak? What's the new sun in? Oh, everybody's doing Puka Shell. Oh, everybody's doing Double Cuff. Everybody's doing Paisley. We're not going to have to figure all that stuff out because we're just us forever, you know? Yeah. And uh and Joanna have made a career for themselves, made a, what's bigger than career? What do, you, what do we call what they have? Empire. An empire. They've created an empire off of authenticity. They are absolutely who you think they are. Yeah. They are maybe just more fun because it's not on a G-rated network. Right, right. Yeah, that's so, and that's the, it seems like the right way to do a career in entertainment because the spikes are going to be met with valleys of the same size probably but y'all like you said like it probably doesn't like sure it feel i've experienced this it feels cool to have a viral thing and like some supreme growth and be like the talk of the town for a second but if you want to sustain a family and actually kind of make a living doing what y'all are doing is so much smarter in terms of like look we're not going to compromise who we are we're not going to take any dollar sign that's offered to us like we're going to be smart with what we choose to do, and we're also going to be completely authentic and also do things slow. That seems like the way you have a Unless sustainable career. If you suck as a person, you probably shouldn't be yourself. You should probably figure out somebody else to be right. and do that really well. Right, right. <laughs> uh, Amanda, we were talking We were talking about the moment that uh, – and I'm sure you all get asked about this all the time – but when Chip and Joe asked for home to be on the show, I was curious about whether or not there was a – y'all felt a shift there when they put your song on the show because at the time or what I remember of the show was that it was just massive and everyone was watching it and everyone was talking about it. And that song was associated with right. that crazy growth. Yeah, I, mean, I haven't probably said this, but, but um, when it, I think it was season two that it first started being the theme song. Mm-hmm. And at that point it was still like, you know, the show was popular, but it was, it wasn't the, at, at its pinnacle, its peak popularity yet. So there's still plenty of people that were like, oh, maybe I kind of know that kind of show. Oh, yeah, that sounds kind of familiar. But it wasn't what it is now. You know, they didn't have their the target line and the, you know, there wasn't the silos didn't exist yet. You know, like so all the a lot of the stuff that you associate with it wasn't wasn't born yet. And so for us, it was kind of like, oh, this is a fun thing. And it's a fun like um, it's like a Easter egg. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, do you happen to know that we, we do this thing now? It's, you know, obviously, especially now that we have, you know, a TV show on their network and two TV shows, um, all that kind of stuff. Now it's, it, it all, you know, you can see the forest or the trees a little bit more and be like, Oh, that was a big moment. But back then it was just like, Oh cool. This is fun. Yeah. Abner's mom's super happy, you know, <laughs> yeah. and we're super Finally, happy. We made Abner's mom happy. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> it, and you know, she's, she's happy. We've made new friends. Like we feel good. So it was all, all in all good thing, but I don't think we realized the importance of it. it there, it, there was some point when we moved into this house though, that we were like, thank God for that theme song. You know? <laughs> yeah. She's signing those mortgage the backyard docs. Bed. There was a phone call that bought you a know? house. Yeah, exactly. So, awesome. you know, after a few years, what that song, man, this, I don't know how this would fit in what we're saying, but just that song, we recorded it on a laptop with a $200 microphone. Never, I had to call a friend to ask how to start recording because I couldn't get it to record. And he said, man, just hit the letter R. I was like, okay, letter R, got it. Uh, we recorded that song in our guest room, $200 mic, didn't know what we were doing, and it has completely changed our life. 
And I think if there's anything, if that's a testament to anything, is be faithful to do what you have in hand to do. Yeah. Just be faithful to it. This is what you got. It may not be what you perceive other people have, and it may not be the same thing. It may not be as cool or as awesome or as huge as what you think you should have or what success should look like. Right. Faithful to what you got. Regardless of the results. Like if you, yeah. if you feel called to a thing, you should pursue that thing. Even like it's very temp it's very tempting to want to do things for money. Like I this is something I struggle with as it is. But if you can find a way to do your thing, regardless of what the outcome is going to be, that's probably a better choice. Right. Because, you know, you know, even in the process of it, there's going to be some sort of fulfillment, because if you feel called to it, then just the the act of doing it and acting on it is rewarding in and of itself, regardless of what happens to it. Because you're like, okay, I'm being true to that thing. And that alone feels great. And that alone is is far more satisfying than money in the long run, I think. Some people probably think, oh, no, money would probably be more satisfying. But really, that the satisfaction comes from agreeing with that thing that says, yes, I'm supposed to do this and walking in it. Yeah. Even if you mess up, even if it doesn't turn out the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, it's so interesting. How does that translate to doing a reality show now? Like, how has that felt in your quarantine home life mixed with your music we'll career talk about that next week yeah like this week no <laughs> it's, week. It's, it's been a there's uh we find ourselves even now making sure we fight the good fight on our behalf that we're not just creating a good product for a network but that we are in the network's been so kind and so great and we're and i'm not trying to put any kind of shade on anybody yeah but we're, we're working together to try to find a balance between what the network needs for this time slot or for this type of show and how we believe we're best represented or how we best represent ourselves and and it could be you could look at that and say that's two different shows, but you really have to work together with lock arms with folks that you love and figure out how you make that the one thing. And it's actually what we've learned making music and the no's we've gotten, the, the amount of time people have said no to us in our career have been so pivotal and I'm so grateful. I'm more grateful for all the no's than any yes. I'm more grateful for the times people looked at us and said, what are you trying to do? Sonny and Cher? People don't do duos anymore. Yeah. I'm more grateful yeah. for that than I am the, the phone calls from Chip and Joe getting our song under the, uh, as their theme song because that created, we knew exactly where we weren't supposed to be. People always say, if God shuts a door, he opens a window. I really hate that. If God shut the door, God shut the door. Freaking leave. Yeah. What are you There's doing? No, stop standing in front of it, bro. Hey, <laughs> man, keep going. What are you thinking right now? There were so many closed doors, so many like sad nights where we'd sit, where we'd either written a song, played it for somebody, it didn't work, the no from the record label, or the yes from the like, record label that turned into a really terrible deal that that we had to say no to. Like we were just we're so grateful for all those those hard no's. And anyways, the way it translates into making TV is you have to take all that experience and know that true north and keep fighting for true north. And uh, we're really grateful that with our network and with the production company we're working with, we've got the right team to uh, to really all work together and have the tough conversations to make the show we really, we're really really proud of. Yeah, and I believe that y'all would uh, make some serious effort to make sure that you're portrayed correctly. Because, I mean, reality shows need drama and sometimes manufacture right. things that don't exactly reflect reality. And that's never something that's not a fight we've had to fight about. right and I, I i imagine this network made by chip and joe isn't banking on that like i'm sure they're right. trying to have a real portrayal of how y'all live life which is probably interesting enough like you without having to generate y'all right fakely so, being like, pissed at each other or something or a matter of like focus like you know what do we want to focus on in in these episodes that we have and you know, I think for us, like a, a big thing, which is what we really hope to portray is, again, I'm going to repeat myself, is community, is the community. Yeah. When, I, when people That's say, great. what's life like on the road? Or what's it like 
working with your spouse and what, you know, really it all comes back to that sense of community and that sense of, you know, home, which is a word that I didn't know that I would say or sing as much in my life, but, <laughs> but it really comes down to that. And so that's what we're, that's our hope for, for especially for both the TV shows and especially the one that we shot at home during quarantine um, recently is that the sense of community can still kind of um, shine forth. And that's kind of the thing that people get that they feel like, they're in the community with us, you know, yeah. they get to be a same way that songs of strangers. We've, we hope did that for a lot of people and the backyard shows. We hope, we hope that's what happens with it. Yeah. Um, same thing for the show. Y'all do that. Y'all do a really good job of that. Uh, and live shows too. I mean, I think everyone likes going to your shows because y'all are very interactive and everyone can tell, I think we talked about this on your bus that y'all are the exact same on stage as you are in real life, or at least try to be as much as possible. God, I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. We're, think, we're and that's yeah, attractive. So I, yeah. I think Abner's maybe slightly more stressed out on stage than he is. You mean off stage? No, on stage, I think. Really? How am I stressed out on stage? I don't, no, I'm saying you're generally not stressed out, but I think oh. the, the times that you're more like you're more stressed out on stage, I think, than normally. I, I don't think I'm ever stressed, like actually stressed out on stage. I think I'm processing a lot at a right. high speed. Sometimes. Exactly. That's that's what I'm. Because one of the things saying. about our show that we want is we don't want to just do the same thing every night. We've had tours like that where we just play the same songs in the same order, and you end up just feeling soulless, and you end up feeling like you're observing yourself. Yeah. yeah. If it's not her dad who had his first hit single when he was 19 years old, written songs for Dolly Parton, Donna Summer, Michael Jackson, yada yada, uh, amazing guy. He told us, if, and it stuck with us, if it's not alive, it's not live. And uh, and so there's a, we try to change things. And so I'm often on stage processing the room. Yes. Are we winning? Are we where are we winning? Where some nights it could be two nights in a row. It could be a difference of Houston and Dallas. In Houston, man, these big songs are really working. I, I want to go even higher. Let's get let's get even more, more energy high, in yeah. this song. But in Dallas, that's not working. In Dallas is the intimate stuff. So I might in a second call the song off and completely do the song differently because I can recognize in the crowd what's what they're responding to. And I live for it's, that. It's his superpower. If anybody's wondering, he is, um, for, for the Enneagram nerds, he is a seven. <laughs> he's a social seven. And so he can read a room. Like, there are times where we'll walk into a place and he'll be like, oh, that must be, well, they were times before COVID because the only place I'm walking into is the bathroom yeah. now. But yeah. um, well, we'd walk into, like, a party and he'd be like, oh, that must be so-and-so's boss. And that person, you know, oh, that person, they're in a fight. They're not getting along. And he'd be like, they're, everybody's just drinking champagne. Like, I don't understand <laughs> Stop how. Stop feeling and everyone's emotions right. and situations. Yeah, I mean, you've never met, like, we, we always say everybody has their superpower and Abner's superpower He's actually got two. One is reading rooms and the other one, and this probably goes along with it, is turning no's into yeses because he does have a way of like, this is impossible, this will never work. And he'll be like, we're, we're going to do this. What would it like, look no, like if it did work? Yeah, exactly. And he's like, <laughs> we're going to make it happen. You know, like somehow like somebody's like, no, sorry, there's no flights left. All the flights are booked. And he'll call them to talk. Oh, Nancy, you're so great. Oh, yeah, Nancy. Oh, can you have a little great? Oh, you can do a great, great, great. Yeah, so we got first class upgrades. There's room for us. We're going to, everybody can come. I'm like, what? How is this? How do you do this? That's a very good superpower to have. Manipulation, I think, is the term. <laughs> That's the less nice way of talking. Uh, yeah, no, uh, yeah, that's that's a great quality. Oh, I think is what it is. Uh, and the the community thing is something I really appreciate about y'all too, because um, even with the backyard stuff, y'all keep a very cool. Can you hear me? Yep. Y'all keep a very uh, cool group of friends, pretty close, almost to the point where it seems like you might be in a like a commune of some sort. Why it is it is a commune? Why not a commune? In What's the state so of quarantine. Word? 
quarantine it is it has basically been a con so why not like tim cho and uh justine i've gotten to know over instagram pretty much and they like the people you surround yourself seem like really cool people one because tim was a marine which is badass yeah. uh yeah. respect to him and then justine who's got every hype shoe uh in the game apparently yeah she's i was with justine home. once Justine's the kind of person, God, I could talk for three hours. I gotta go pee real bad. So let's wrap this up in a minute. Yeah, yeah. Justine's the kind of person. I took her to a I took her to a Warriors game. Uh, a dear friend of mine is a point guard for the Warriors. We're walking backstage. I call it backstage. I don't know what it's called. Those back alleys in uh-huh. the, the game afterwards. And KD walks by. And it's just me and me and Just walking off like courtside down the tunnel. And he's walking by in street clothes. And she was like, yo, just like shouts at him kind of rude. Yo. And he turns like kind of mean mugging a little bit like who's this looks at justine goes justine <laughs> comes running over picks her up big hug where you been you still got my number da, 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 da. it's like nothing in the world shocks me with justine That's crazy nothing. like nothing does at all and what is she's what role is she to y'all does she work for y'all or is she just the homie we call her, we call her our vibe tech That's right the t-shirt i saw the t-shirt yeah. She's the vibe tech, you know, she just like keeps the fun happening, especially on tour because everybody's like working and we get into these little like, you know, rabbit, rabbit holes. I don't know. We get into these like little focused, whatever, you know, everybody's doing stuff and it can be tiring and you might have a bad night's sleep. And then Justine will come in the dressing room and be like, what's up? And you're like, okay. yeah." She's also like ultimate utility person. If you give her a responsibility and she says yes to it, Mm -hmm. she's going to do it with everything she has. She's going to pull favors to accomplish it, whatever it is. If it's watching a kid, she's come to Salt Lake City, not Salt Lake City. She's coming to Park City. Yeah, just during to Sundays, watch, yeah. just to watch a kid for us. Wow. We're like, we need a baby. She's also been in we'll meetings. Like, yep. She's been in like big time meetings to help us not negotiate, but to help kind of paint the picture for things. She's been in like you know, you'll have her anywhere. She's uh, the the reason we can pull off live from the backyard is because we sell merch. People buy the merch and it pays for the process, pays for us to keep going, pays everybody that's involved, right? And that was Justine's idea. It's not a genius idea, but I didn't think of it. Yeah. She did. The day of the very first one, uh, it was actually at the time, it was Songs and Strangers Live. And uh, she said, we need to sell something. We need to sell something. Let's make a t-shirt. I was like, just if you make a t-shirt, you can sell it. And she did. She was, I never heard about it again. She showed me the last image. She's like, do you approve this? Yep. It went into production just as we were starting the show. And it uh, it paid for everything. It, so she's a ultimate utility person, but we call her the vibe tech. That's dope. The, only, the only place that you don't want to have Justine is if Abner and her are playing a board game of any sort. Oh, we fight like oh, get a little uh, too competitive. Ruin the night by fighting. The only person, so the person I apologize to most in life is my family, Amanda, and my kids. And Justine, you apologize more than me, I think. For sure. I apologize, Justine, so much. People, uh, we we have to. I got I, I got to stop talking. Uh, me and Justine have to sit next to each other in games, and we make a point to have a pact until there's four people left. If we're playing a big party game, there's ten people. It's me and Justine against everybody until there's four people left, and then the truce is off. Because if the truce isn't in place early in the game, me and Justine will make everybody so uncomfortable. Cussing each other out. Yell at each other. Like, like, what are you thinking? Like, just full-on yelling. I mean, she's family. That's my sister. Yeah, that's legit. She seems legit from afar. I would love to meet her and uh, Tim. And Well, I met Tim on the bus. Uh, a, a last question I'll ask you is, what do you think the odds of them getting together are? Zero, zero. I think it's zero. <laughs> zero. 
0.3, you know? One third of 1%. Let's give them like one third of 1% chance, but I would say no. That's hilarious. Abner and Amanda, uh, do you have anything coming soon to pub? What's what's coming down the pike? We got so much stuff coming. You all right, Joaquin? Uh, That's like random. Oh, I was scanning those. Joaquin's showing me an old art project. Oh, now. I came out of printer? Oh, weird. That's weird. Thank Thank you. you. Why can you want to come say hi? Come say hi. Come talk to, talk to mommy's mic and say hi. Hello. Hey. hey. <laughs> I'm sorry. Hello, hello, hello. Why can't do you have anything you want to talk about? Any advice you want to give people listening? I don't know what that means. Do you have any like uh, any tips maybe for video games or just for life that people? Oh yes, have? video games. Yes. All right, give them some tips. Uh, for. Tell them that. Uh, tell them that tree hack for Animal Crossing. What tree? Oh yeah, tree hack. Okay. Uh, for. Uh, let's see. So to do that, you need to dig up a some bells, and then and then you can literally plant with the bells mm-hmm. you got. You can plant a tree, a bell tree. Okay. Whoa. I'm writing this. I'm writing this down. Just give me a, a second, real quick. You plant the bells. Joaquin Emmanuel Ramirez, and it gives you a bell tree, which I didn't know. <laughs> Thank you. Best advice I've heard all week. Man, we've got a book coming out in the fall. Oh, snap. Called, what's the book called? Home Sweet Road with Johnny Swim. Home Sweet Road. It's uh, a bit of storytelling and photos of, uh, of our life on the road, raising a family from, from meeting and dating to getting married to raising kids on tour buses. That's Home Sweet Road. We got Home on the Road, which is a like TV I said, show. Episode is, one is clearly the thing. When does that drop? When does the episode drop? Uh, episode one is out right now on Discovery Plus, okay. and I think more episodes will be coming on Discovery Plus. And then in the fall on Magnolia Network, we have At Home with Johnny Swim, our second TV show. And then in the fall right now, if uh, if uh, Uncle Joe keeps going with these these shots he's getting us, we're going to be on tour. Nice. We've already got a tour schedule. We'll be in Texas. We'll be playing our biggest show ever in Nashville. If it happens, we'll be playing the Ascend Amphitheater, which I'm very, uh, very excited about. Heck yeah. But yeah, man, a book, two TV shows, a tour, and an album that sh- coming out. All- that should keep people gainfully uh, busy in their quarantine. Con- like yeah. Consuming all this Johnny Swim content. Also, check out all their music, Spotify. Actually, buy the music if you're still buying music. Uh, and yeah, so I know I've taken like 42 hours extra of your time than we agreed upon, but Abner, Amanda, thanks for spending this time with me. Thanks for being honest and willing to chop it up with me. And, uh, hopefully we see you in person soon. I want to hear some of those stories later though. Yeah. The ones that you had to edit out. Yeah. And hopefully you don't hate (laughs) us after you, uh, listen to this again when you're editing it. (laughs) Yeah. Y'all are really easy to hate. That's, uh. That's that's the common quality. So of y'all. <laughs> uh, no, I I just hate editing in general. But I'll let you I'll let you go to the bathroom, Abner. Uh, all right, but seriously, thanks, y'all, and uh, great to see you guys. See you soon. Thanks so much for checking out this episode of the Preachers and Seekers podcast. If you haven't already, be sure to head on over to Apple Podcasts, smash that subscribe button, leave a rating and a review. If you hated it or if you loved it, don't care. Appreciate the feedback. Appreciate the support. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for listening to this episode. Be sure to keep an eye out for the next episode of the Preachers and Sneakers podcast.
At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.